look at, for example, the uh, uh, churches out here that no longer preach the gospel. They once did. You go to a lot of United Methodist churches today, they originated with John Wesley and uh, Asbury and other great men who preached the gospel and preached heaven and hell. <laughs> and uh, they preached against sin. They preached regeneration. They preached a dedicated life to Christ. They preached the second coming. And all those major fundamental doctrines now in many United Methodist churches, they deny every one of them. And they'll have a sodomite in the pulpit. And that's why so many thousands of United Methodist churches have pulled out and now joined what they call the Global Methodist. They're still not very sound on a lot of things, but they're better than being in the UMC. I'll put it that way. It's, it's a step in a better direction, uh, getting out of the United Methodist. And we could go on and on. Uh, and this isn't a slam towards any particular group. It's happening in every group. Um, the Southern Baptist Convention has its problems, but there's another called American Baptist Convention that's totally gone. There's the Missouri Synod Lutherans, which are pretty conservative, but then there's the Evangelical Lutheran Churches of America, which are totally sodomite and gone. There's pre Bible Presbyterians. Then there's the Presbyterian Church USA that's totally gone. And you could go on and on with the examples in almost every major denomination and group. This apostasy is already setting in. Now, um, American Christianity as a whole is in decline. Now, I ask Tom say, no, this isn't going to be a feel-good message. Uh, it is about the uh, falling away. But you can feel good about the fact that you're saved. You can feel good about the fact that you've got an infallible Bible that you believe in. You can feel good about the fact that God has blessed you with the body of local Christians to fellowship with. And those of you online can feel good about the fact that God's given you the internet so you can join us at least that way and have this kind of fellowship and so forth. So there's a lot to feel good about if you want to feel good. But a lot of times I think Christians, uh, number one, they need to see what's really going on to appreciate what they've got. Yeah. And so that's the challenge I'll give you tonight as you hear all this. But this is a survey. Um, this was done a couple years ago, and I couldn't find the more recent one. It's the exact same, so I just went and showed this. 60% of born-again, I'm going to put it in quotes. 60% of born-again Christians don't believe Jesus is the only way. Folks, if Jesus isn't the only way, let's turn this into a bar. There's no reason to have church. If Jesus isn't the only way, then that means he was a liar and Christianity is a joke. Because Jesus said, I am the way, John 14, 6. Amen. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. The apostle Peter said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You imagine 60% of professing born-again Christians are calling Jesus and the apostle Peter liars. Or that the Bible is in error. That's how I've heard them say. They'll say, well, I don't believe Jesus said that. I don't believe Peter said that. I believe the Bible's been changed. Either way, I got news. You're not a born-again anything. <laughs> you know, talk is cheap. I'm born again. You know, well, you, you, if, you believe, if you don't believe Jesus is the only way, you're not born again, period. There's no... 
Now, um, the decline has been continuing at a rapid pace since the 60s. And this is a chart that I found from the Pew Research Center. In the early 70s, 89% of Americans said they were Christians. 62% claimed to be Protestant, Bible-believing Christians. Come down here to the 2010s, the most recent uh, decade that they, you know, this is by decade. And uh, 71%, 18% decrease by 2010s of people identifying as Christians. Meanwhile, the people who claim to be either atheist or agnostic with no religion, 1970s, that was only 6% of the population. Now it's up to 22%. That's almost a quarter, almost a fourth of the population who's totally rejected God completely. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm not saying anybody looked real surprised, but I wasn't real surprised by that. Look at the world, folks. <laughs> I mean, compared to the 70s, I remember coming to Columbus and going to these neighborhoods, like where the continent is, and, you know, uh, anywhere almost, there were only a few tiny little neighborhoods where you didn't want to go. Now, I stay out of Columbus. <laughs> I just go to Columbus when I'm actually ab absolutely required to, you know. I mean, it's just amazing how, but what I'm about to show you, this is what apostasy looks like. Embracing the journey. This is a growing group of Christians who are now telling us to embrace Sodom. And they call it unconditional. That's a word that you better get used to. And a lot of evangelicals use it and they're being heretics when they do. Salvation is not unconditional. The love of God is not unconditional. And you'll be taught that on your Christian radio and TV by numerous teachers. Your salvation is conditioned upon your repentance toward God with faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection as payment and victory over sin and death for you on your behalf. And if you come to God and say, well, I want to be saved, but I'm going to hold on to my sin. Well, then that's called unbelief. That's the Bible definition of unbelief. People say, I believe in God. Well, we're told in the Bible, good for you. The devils believe and tremble. Believing in God by just saying, I believe in God, that's, that means nothing. Faith is something that is real to you and demonstrated by you. None of us are perfect, but it's something we will show some fruit. This is that conference. Openly gay leaders to speak at this so-called unconditional conference at Andy Stanley's North Point Church. Who's Andy Stanley? I'll come back to you. Who's Andy Stanley? One generation you went from Charles Stanley to that. You may not have liked everything about uh, Charles Stanley, but he, Charles Stanley would have never done that. It's just a, uh, a sad, disgusting display. What should have happened is Andy should have left Christianity. 
and been honest. Instead, he used his dad's name to build a Laodicean false church so he could deceive people, and he's making a lot of money, yeah. Great people. As excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay men and women, okay, a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what, I might not be accepted here, but I'm going to try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're going to be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Only your in-law's house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over, and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff. But just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father, who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. God said no, and they still love God. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? You need to learn from the queers. That's what he's saying. If you listen closely, what he's saying is his church is full of homosexuals who have never been told to repent. Listen to me in the back. You're missing what I'm saying. He's telling you that his church is full of sodomites who have never been told to repent. That's what he's telling you. He's been doing this for years. And evangelicals, especially among some of the so-called leading evangelicals know this and have been covering for him. And they're doing the same thing in their churches. Just like they did in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s right up to the present. And they come in and they switch Bibles. And they do it behind the scenes. And they put corrupt Bibles in the churches. And they start with the little kids. And then they go into the youth group. And then they put them in the pew Bible. And next thing you know, it's all they're using. That's the same serpentile technique that they're using to turn churches into sodomite, apostate havens. And Charles... Uh, uh, Charles uh, sorry, Charles. Andy Stanley is just showing you what's going on in churches all over the world right now. They are filling the pews with unrepentant sodomites until they get the power and ability to come out and openly do it. Carrie Underwood, same thing happened to her church. She knew it was going on, and her pastor uh, took certain people like her behind the scenes and said, you know, we are going to be a gay-affirming church, but we have to do this smart. So they did it behind the scenes. 
until finally they had enough members and enough money that they knew they could lose the real Christians. And that's why Carrie's still there. She's not a real Christian. You say, how do you know that? I'm just taking her by her word. I'm not judging her heart. I don't have to judge your heart. When you tell me that you're in love with Sodom, you are telling me you're not a Christian. Yeah, I'm not saying they lose salvation. I'm saying you've been a fake all along. You're just showing me your true colors. And that's what Andy Stanley's all about. These aren't, by the way, clobber passages he's referring to. That's a gay term. That's another thing. You've got to learn to listen with discernment. They, they use the certain words and phrases, and you'll know what camp they're in. They may call themselves Christians, but when you hear them use certain words and terminology, well, I'll give you one. Whenever they refuse to ever call them sodomites, you know what you're dealing with. You can deny it all you want, but you know it. When they tell you that calling what God calls sodomite, you shouldn't call them sodomite, you know who you're dealing with. They're gay. They're not happy at all. They're the most unhappy, miserable people on the planet. The domestic violence between homosexuals are 75% higher than among heterosexuals, especially when you talk about people who are professing Christians. They are miserable. The rate is skyrocketing among the so-called LGBTQ. Why? Because they have no hope. And instead of being called on to repent so you can have some hope in Jesus Christ, what are they, they're just getting... They're being used. Amen. People like Andy Stanley, he's just using these people for their money. Yeah. Amen. Butts in pews and dollars in the plate. That's what it's all about. They should, that's what they have these. We have simply teaching the Bible simply up on the water. Over here, we love you enough to tell you the truth. Those churches should just say, butts in pews, bucks in the plate. That should be their motto. Because that's, that's what they think is ministry. Luke 17, 28 through 32. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold. They planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In the day he which shall, in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. I think that's what Bob was talking about earlier. The, what was that passage? Luke 17, 28 through 32. And Jesus is talking about right before he returns, what's it going to be like? What was it like in Sodom? As it was in the days of Lot. Now, I pointed this out many times. I hope you've got this. Verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife. What did, what did Lot's wife do? It wasn't, she didn't just look back. She loved Sodom. Her heart was in Sodom. That's, this is the warning. I've looked right at my own daughters and said, remember Lot's wife. 
as they embrace Sodom. It's going to come right to your own family and friends. People are in love with Sodom. And you can read the Scripture and warn them. That's where we're at, folks. Scripture with Scripture. Jesus predicted apostasy before and at the time of His second coming. Of course, that's really what this is saying, but who's got... Uh, Mary, I believe, has this one. She left. Uh, Luke 18, 7 and 8. And shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth? Did you get that? He's saying when He returns, is He going to find faith? He's asking the question. Shall He find faith? When He returns, there'll be very, very few believers remaining because after the rapture, it's tribulation saints and most of them are being killed. <laughs> the Apostle Paul elsewhere speaks of this apostasy. We have 1 Timothy 4, 1-4. That's Brian. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. So there's, there's th uh, two through four kind of explain some of the things you're going to see. But look what verse 1 said. This is the Spirit. All, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. <laughs> Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to the seducing spirits. Those who don't get raptured. So who's left behind? Those who have departed from the faith. And what are they taking heed of? And... Doctrines of devils. It's a bad people. It's a bad group. The Apostle Peter also predicted scoffers denying Bible prophecy in the last days. Who's got Second Peter 3, 3 and 4? Uh, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. I'm not talking about the unsaved world, although you'll see it there too, but I'm saying among most Christians, professing Christians I know, when you bring up the rapture, you bring up the end times, the second coming, they scoff. Professing Christians. Oh, you've been saying that. I mean, I had a guy literally tell me it not too long ago. You, they were saying that when my grandma was a baby. I said, well, I got one better than that. They were saying that before your grandma was even a gleam in your great-great-dad-daddy's eyes. They've been saying it for 2,000 years. That doesn't negate anything. It's exactly what we see the Bible teaching. <laughs> so the fact of end-time apostasy 
is established in Scripture for Bible believers. If you're not a Bible believer, you're blind as a bat. But if you're a Bible believer, you see what the Bible teaches. That, that ought to then allow you to save a lot of money. Because all these TV preachers who are talking about, there's a revival in the land, there's a revival in the land. You're like, I don't even have to get where he's talking about giving money. I already know he's a clown. Turn him off. Unless he finishes the sentence by, there's a revival of Sodom in the land. Because that's the only revival taking place right now. Sodom. So what about the debate mentioned earlier about the end time falling away being, I say either both actually, is what it should, total apostasy or the rapture. Which is it? Well, let's look at the rapture. Who's got 1 Thessalonians 4? Who is that? Okay, First Thessalonians four seventeen eight or sixteen seventeen. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now just think about that. The moment after the rapture, how many believers are left on the planet Earth? The moment after the rapture. The closest we've come to that before, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They were still believers. Noah, I mean, it's possible he was the only real believer on the ark, and the other seven got on because of Noah. Because, you know, the Bible never says Noah's wife found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and those boys were, you know, <laughs> Ham, Shem, and Japheth, all three of them, you know. They, but Ham was a real, you know. And then they, their wives, they just get honorable mention. They're not said to be godly or anything. But eight people survived. That's the closest we've ever been to what's going to happen the moment after the rapture. When there are zero believers left on planet Earth. That is total apostasy. That is a falling away that we've never actually seen before on Earth. All of us will be in heaven. There's nothing but believers. Down here on Earth, nothing but unbelievers. Think of that. Apostasy is taking place. And at the moment of the rapture, after the rapture, the apostasy is total. We are seeing a falling away before our eyes. Then when we go up in the rapture, if you bother to look down, <laughs> you'll be looking down at a planet with no believers. I don't know. I think it might be neat to look down. <laughs> we'll probably be too fixated on the face of Christ, you know. And then it also says that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So the next major event after the rapture is also the event that begins the seven-year tribulation. The rapture happens. There's nothing but unbelievers left. The next major event, we don't know whether it's going to be days, weeks, or months. 
But the next major event will be when the Antichrist confirms a covenant, and that begins the tribulation. And we'll examine that more closely in our next study. But I do want to close with the words we closed with today when we did our Bible reading, if you did it already. Psalm 145. Turn there, if you will. We'll close with these words. Psalm 145, verses 17 to 21. And I'll have you read the odd verses with me. Psalm 145, beginning verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. But all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen, amen. and amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word and the clarity that we receive. And these words in the Psalms, something to meditate on, especially in light of things we discussed in our study. Lord, it is pathetic to see so many of those who wear the name of Jesus also trying to wear the name of Sodom. But we are encouraged by your word. As you've told us ahead of time, this is all going to happen. Lord, help us to not allow the damnation around us to rob us of our joy. We are so thankful to be saved. And we are so looking forward to being with you forever and ever in a world where there'll be no sin. And we just can't wait. And until then, help us, everyone in this room, everyone listening to this message, help us all to have our hearts not in Sodom and in this world, but have our hearts in things above, storing our treasures in heaven and looking for that moment when we go to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace,